0: You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream?
2: Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you.
0: Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women and I am a woman.
2: At some point, you gotta decide for yourself who you want to be. Can't let nobody make that decision for you.
0: How do you go about getting an exorcism? I
2: beg your pardon? Hi this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. We we're joined once again Jack this is it's been very regular in the last few uh, last few weeks by Sir Jack yeah. Howard. Um, the the most recent uh, set of discussions that we had well I mean the reason that Jack has been such a frequent visitor is that we had one podcast. We sat down to do two podcasts. One of them was going to be the one that we're going to do today which is we decided to choose our top 5 Pixar movies. But the one before that was a Christopher Nolan top ten. We said we'll do that in one in you know in one podcast. It ended up taking three podcasts to do it. Yeah. Partly because one entire podcast was taken up by Jack getting off his bike about one of my choices. If you haven't had a chance to to enjoy those podcasts, do go back because they're 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 feisty, aren't they, Jack? They are quite feisty. Yeah, we 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 get
1: a bit more personal than we usually get. There's a lot of like name calling. There's a lot of
2: uh, no, fucky hands. I want to be quite clear about this. When you say, we get a bit more personal. No, 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 no. You get a mm, bit more personal. I'm not yeah, sure. In, no, no I, in the past, I have, been, I have been accused of getting a bit snappy with you. Which, <laughs> which incidentally, I think is all in, you know, good for, but like, it was, I've, I've never seen you quite so riled yeah. as when you discovered where I'd put Dark Knight in my Yeah, it Yeah, really, it really bothered me. So if and you want to really, hear that reaction and really, see my reaction... Really-
1: on film Patreon page. Yeah, eh? go to
2: the Patreon page. You can okay. see. You can see Jack losing his shit. <laughs> so
1: I, I, have started to think that maybe you put it there just to get a rile out of me. I think that like you don't even believe what you've said. You've just done it to piss me off.
2: No, well, okay, but here's the really funny thing because I'm recording this in my shoe cupboard, you know, um, and the rest of the house is obviously on the other side of that door and the door in the shoe cupboard is just like some planks bolted together there's no soundproofing and um child two who you know as well
0: Hmm.
2: did i hear you right and i went what did i hear did i hear what i think i heard you say and i went i don't know what did you think he said did you what are you talking about? So it was like, fine. So I literally yep. sat here in my room, getting it in one ear from you. And then I go outside and I get it in the other ear from him.
1: Well, um, me and child too, you know, we're we thick as thieves. Like we're, we're working together on this. Like yeah. I won't, I won't rest until this pod, the end of this podcast. When we finish this podcast, the last episode ever will be you admitting that the Dark Knight is better than the Dark Knight Rises, and that the end of the Dark Knight Rises is not a dream.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, but anyway, but anyway I, my suspicion is that this that this week's will be will be less testy, um, but also you know just as much fun. So we decided to do our top five uh, Pixel films, looking back over the Pixar catalogue. The thing that's kind of slightly heartbreaking is all the things that you have to leave out. Mm. Because if you're only picking five, and incidentally, we decided, just clear this up at the beginning, we're not including short films, are we? No, I don't think so. I wouldn't say that. That makes it too difficult. um, Yeah, and also, we could almost do a top five Pixar short films. Well, if the 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 demand is there if the demand is there, because actually I was in my original list. I had a couple of shows and I went, oh, no, for heaven's I can't have a short film. They actually have to be featured. So top five Pixar features. And it was quite painful because even, even the Pixar films that I'm not crazy about, it felt painful to leave them out. Mm. So the way we're going to do this is we'll, you know, we'll count down our top five, starting from five. And uh, if, you, if you choose one that I've got coming up, I'll say, oh no, okay, I've got that coming up at number three or whatever, and we'll hold off the discussion until then. Okay. Otherwise, if you choose one that, you, that, you've, that only one of us has got, we'll then, we'll then do it there and then. Does that make sense? That makes sense to me. Okay. So, Jack, I'm going to ask you to kick off and say, what is your number five most favorite Pixar feature? My number five favorite Pixar feature is Inside Out. Okay. So I have got that in my top five. So I know ready. you do. And I know exactly where it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a kind of, Simon Mayo did this thing. He said, I know what you think about something from the way you, from the pause between when I ask what you think about something and the thing. And it really bothered me. Really? really? On the most, yeah. But the thing is, I, the, the more, the longer I go on, the more i realize that i am completely predictable so but it's
1: not even that you're pretty, completely predictable it's the fact that like i know you well enough and i also remember very well that in 2015 you said inside out was your favorite film of the year
2: so okay. i can imagine so, it's going to be pretty high let's try let's let's try and build some some tension into this you know will it still be there <laughs> will it ooh okay so at number 5 i have wall-e okay i
1: <laughs> I don't have Wally general. in my list. Okay, and I fine. think actually I'm glad that we're kicking off with this because I yeah. think that my opinion on Wally or Wally however you want to pronounce yeah, it you say, is yeah. maybe my most controversial and annoying opinion out of all of my opinion on cinema because okay. I don't particularly like Wally that much. Okay. And I think that well, Wally is look- held up as like one of the greatest
2: films of all time, you know, especially okay. in the 21st century and I just don't particularly like gel with it. Okay, so here's here's my my take on Wally. Um I'm putting Wally in there for the first movement. I actually am not crazy about everything that happens after the first movement of Wally. But I think the first movement is so beautiful that I'm putting it in. So essentially, I know this, is, this sounds crazy, but I'm including in my list of my top five favourite Pixar movies a film which I think is deeply flawed, but has a section in it that is so great that it kind of... Knocks mm-hmm. the rest of it out the ballpark, and the I actually I love
1: we disagree on this a bit more, but it actually feels like we are kind of on a similar page on this. And yeah, I, mean, I, I so think the... that this film is beautifully photographed, if that's what you can call it with an animated film. But like the mm-hmm. cinematography in it is unlike anything, and the subject matter and the way that it's told is maybe one of Pixar's most mature. But there's something about it that I, I don't feel charmed by it a lot of the time. And some of the, okay. the, the thematic stuff I think is a little bit obvious and I know it's a kid's film, but I don't know, like, I think we'll come to talk about inside out. I think that explores thematic stuff that in a, in a way that isn't as obvious. And I don't know, there's something about Wally that is just never gelled with me. And uh, I think it, feel, it feels like you
2: have a similar opinion on that. Well, the thing I love about it is uh, firstly that, that first, that first act, I, I got, Got a lot of, I said, you know, the interesting thing is the first act of all is to me, firstly, it reminds me of silent cinema. And a lot, bunch of people said, oh, how can you say that? It's because sound effects are really, really important. Yeah, the sound effects are really important. Firstly, silent cinema was never silent. Silent cinema always had music performed with it. And incidentally, yeah. some silent cinema had music with sound effects. Um, I suppose uh, if you're going to be purist about it, the phrase that I should be using is dialogue-free cinema. I remember Mike Figgis, I've said this a million times, Mike Figgis once said... He told me this story that, you know, when, when immigrants would arrive in America, they would get off the boat at Ellis Island and they would be shown a silent film of life in New York to prepare them for life in New York. And he said it was in a universal language of film, it was visual language. And he said, and then the minute that the talkies arrived, the minute you had synchronized sound and dialogue, those, the, that universality of silent cinema, which was never silent went away. So he had we had a very interesting, and I'm a huge fan of silent cinema and I play in a band that accompany, I'm wearing the t-shirt, that, that accompany silent movies. Do you I think play in a band, Mark? I know I should mention it more. Um, but you know, but you know, it's, not everybody does love silent cinema and I do, and it's something which I always, I always come back to. I love the, you know, I love the, I love the physicality of silent cinema and I love how physical uh, wally feels and the other thing of course is that first movement of wally feels the other thing of course is that wally is essentially in that first movement riffing on silent running and so i mean if i turn behind me here you know this is my silent running drone of which i you know i have my three little models and funnily enough i I, f- I found a guy who makes life-size drones and uh and he's invited me to go and look at. He's got these life size drones, you know, the uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And I, he sent me photographs of them, and I, I'm already broken-hearted at the prospect of going to visit these drones. And the yeah, way, I can that, imagine
1: that's going to be quite emotional for you
2: to so go. Yeah, it's already stuff. emotional. I haven't even been there yet. Yeah. And Wally, for me, has absolutely got that quality in it. And I remember reading an interview with Laura Dern, in which Laura Dern. Was talking about how much you know to to the the creators of Wally, how much uh, Silent Running, because obviously Laura Dern is the daughter of Bruce Dern, who is the star of Silent Running, and that film is has such a such a great weight for me, and I think that what Wally does is to borrow from it without ripping it off. And I think that's always the greatest homage is that, you know, you can take something, you can take an idea, you can take a quality from something and you don't rip it off. I do think that everything after that first movement is not the best Pixar. I think actually there are whole sections of it that I, I agree with you thematically, it's a bit on the nose. And, but I think for that opening movement, mm. I, I just, the physicality of it, I know it, you know, I know it's animation, I do understand, you know, despite having had this explained to me. What? Right? You know, yeah, I know it's not real, it's it's animation. I don't mean by you, incidentally. I'm referring (laughs) to an interview with the the, the makers of uh, Anomalisa, who explained to me that um, cinema is a collection of still images that give the illusion of motion. Wow. That changed my view of everything. I know. Wow. Yeah, I, I know um, I know that uh, he can be a bit... Um... He can be a bit, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, but, <laughs> but so I, so I, so for, for the strength of that first act, that's Wally. Now tell me what you don't like about it, because I suspect that I'll agree with a lot of it.
1: Yeah, I think that, um, like I say, a, a lot of the thematic stuff is very on the nose. I I, I also, I, this is what I mean about it being an annoying opinion. I don't find myself being particularly charmed by Wally and Eve. Um, okay. Which I don't think many people do agree with. I think they find them adorable. Um, yeah. Sometimes I do, but sometimes I, I just find it a bit. I don't know. And also I find myself just and I, I hate this as well. I I can't find any other way of expressing it. I just find it a bit boring sometimes. <laughs> um but I, I agree. I think that like there's a lot of strength in it. I I also really like um going from the live action human beings as they evolve and almost, I suppose, devolve into animated and that being like having, having a narrative reason as to why that's happening, that they're becoming simplified versions of themselves. Like, I like that as as a, as a, as a choice. Um, But I don't know. I I think the simplest way of expressing it is that it just has never connected with me. It just misses me in some way and everyone else seems to hold it up so high. And I think that that, makes me just want to shout, it's overrated. But I also, I can see the value in it. I just don't feel it.
2: Yeah, I don't have a problem with any of that at all. I think that all those criticisms are valid. But do you, do you like that opening section?
1: Yes, I do. I I do. And I I think actually the the, the stuff that comes after it feels a little bit less serious and it feels like it's, you know, it is ripping on things like 2001, like the villain is essentially Hal. Um, I, I like, I like that they aren't shy about like, uh, Wally has been built by Apple, like he just has the same noise that Apple computers have when he turns on, and I like that they 're not hiding that um, and all the music choices are very similar to two thousand and one, especially when um the captain takes down the, the essentially how he takes, I think his name's auto. Um, uh,
2: <laughs> the music Theory, is that. I think, okay. But this is fine. So I think weirdly enough, although it isn't in your list, it's at five in mine. I think, I think actually we are on the same page about it. Yeah. I, I, and I, I was talking before about the short films. I think I would love Wally more if it was just a short film. A I think you're right. Short with the first movement. I think you're and right. Then ev- and then everything else, I can I can take or leave, but for that first movement, I'm gonna I'm gonna have it in there. Okay. That is maybe
1: right. one of the most in, like the best ways of describing it, but maybe it's kind of insulting. Is that Warly to me feels like a short film stretched out to a feature film
2: when it maybe yeah. would have been more effective as as a short. You're right. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, it's like I said again. It's like we're talking about the Nolan's when you're because the the, the, the the bar with Pixar is very very high mm-hmm. I mean with some there are some there are some exceptions um but you know for it to be a flawed Pixar film I think that's still fine <laughs> Let's move on to number four. What's your number four choice? Monsters, Inc. Okay, so I have Monsters, Inc. as well. Mm-hmm. So we'll hold off on that at the moment. So my number four choice is The Incredibles 2. Oh, that is to me very controversial because okay. I have The Incredibles in there.
1: I won't okay. say where. We're gonna leave some suspense. Okay. I okay. I I really didn't gel with the Incredibles two at all. But please go okay. ahead, take it away.
2: Well, I didn't really gel with the Incredibles. Um, I was one of the people who complained that the Incredibles was too long, and uh, I remember writing a review of it in which uh, I said that you know there were. I think I was. I think I may have been quoting the, the, the makers anyway, saying that you know there are kind of like Bergman-esque silences in it, and there are long, long periods in which it 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 proves quite patience-testing. And I always thought, and I have seen it a few times since then, and I've you know learnt to like it more. But I always thought that the pacing in The Incredibles was an issue. Incredibles two, just. Took off like a rocket, and having gone into Incredibles with very high expectations, and then thought, you know, this is this is hard work. Incredibles two for me was just like, okay, this is what this is what the pacing of the first one should have been like. I loved the design, I loved the way it looked, I loved the jokes, I loved the the way in which the narrative, you know, flipped who it was concerned with. I I, everything about Incredibles 2 was everything that I had wanted the Incredibles to be, but it wasn't. Now, what was your issue with Incredibles 2? I might need to watch it again. I only saw
1: it the once when it was out in the cinema. Um, and I was in Los Angeles when I saw it as well. Um, and unfortunately, I ran to the cinema and missed the opening short film, which I, everyone was praising. Uh, okay,
2: and okay. I
1: have, So I haven't seen that short film, so I'll, I'll have to get it on Disney+. Plus. Spawn. Not Spawn. Um, <laughs> I'll have to watch Incredibles 2 again and,
2: because I, <laughs> know, I didn't know what that was until you taught me. Was, <laughs> was one of the classic examples of, excuse me, child, what does what this I had to look up a thing the other day. Somebody tweeted me a thing which was goat. I did something yeah, about right. Breaking Bad or something, so, you, okay, you know what goat means, right? I you know, great of all time. I uh-huh. thought they were calling me a goat. <laughs> I, I was all set to block them before. Before you realised it was a compliment. Before I, well, like, before I stopped and looked it up.
1: You
2: know. Anyway, <laughs> all capitals.
1: Your... Goat. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, goat. I remember uh, finding the plot annoying. I okay. remember finding uh, the sort of the way it moved and the, the twists and turns a bit obvious um, and uninspired. I didn't particularly find it funny. Um, yeah, I, I think that it, I almost, I, I, I don't, I can't really remember much about it, but that's part of it as well. I think it's quite okay. forgettable. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to rewatch it and I'll report back.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's, let me venture to say something. Um, I've had experience of watching films in America when my head was in the wrong time zone and when I've run to the theater or whatever it was. And, uh, and I've, com- I mean, I, you know, I saw, AI in America in a theater in New York, and I really didn't like it, and I didn't watch it again for years until I was told, "You really, you know, you really need to uh, to have a look at this." And uh, and I and I went back and saw it, and it was a complete, it was a completely different film. So I think, knowing you as I do, and knowing now that Incredibles is in your list, I think if you went back and revisited Incredibles 2 you might find it to be a better film in the same way that I thought Incredibles was a better film. The second time around, the first time around I did find I had a pacing issue with it, but we'll get to that when we talk about Incredibles. Um, but I do think Incredibles two is really funny, really sharp. I, I, you know, I love the, I love the way in which it plays with your expectations. I love the pacing of it. I mean, so much of animation is to do with pacing. Um, you know, it's not whether it's, it's long or short, it's to do with how the film moves. And this is true of all, this true of all cinema, but animation is particularly dependent upon editing and pacing because animation is created, you know, in the room and it's much harder. Like if, you know, it's, if you if you if you are somebody who is editing an animated feature, you're basically working all the time with all the creative parts because it is literally happening in the room. It's kind of different to editing live action footage. It's a particular skill, and honestly, I think uh, I, th- I think too little attention is paid to the genius of how well the animated films that we love are edited. I because agree. Pacing, pacing is such a big issue, and I, it's I, so I, hard to get right.
1: I wish I'd because I I actually wasn't expecting this to come up on the list. Um, So I wish I'd rewatched it um, because I remember having quite a strong reaction to it. And I remember listening to your review where you praised it so much. And I was like, what's he talking about? So I remember not (laughs) agreeing with you. And and, so I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it and see if those feelings are still
0: there. You look ghastly, Robert. I haven't been sleeping. I broke my daughter. They keep changing math. We needed double-A batteries, but I got AAA's, and now we still need AA a batteries. Put one red thing in and a load of whites, and now everything's pink. And I think we need eggs. Done properly, parenting is a heroic act. Done properly. I am fortunate that it has never afflicted me.
2: On to number three. What's your number three choice? The Incredibles. <laughs> okay. So now this isn't in my list, so tell me what you love about The Incredibles. So it's directed by Brad Bird,
1: who used to be a creative consultant for years on The Simpsons. And I think that some of the humour in the first Incredibles is like basically the best humour that you get in The Simpsons. I think Edna Mode is one of the greatest comedy characters that's ever been created. I, I I could quote her <laughs> all day long, and actually, my when I went to Milan, <laughs> you can okay. see where this is going. All I all I could all I could say was Milan, darling, Milan. Like all I could <laughs> say, um, I love the score. Um, it's Michael Giacchino, I think it is. Yeah. Who did the first? Who did uh, the Incredibles? Um, I I and my composer friend Benjamin Squires told me that they approached John Barry to, to do The Incredibles because they wanted yeah. a, an old-fashioned Bond score, but he turned it down because he okay. didn't want to do any more Bond stuff, which is interesting. But I think that the score that you get with that is so close to something like On Her Majesty's Secret Service, it's not even hiding it. Um, the theme for The Incredibles is so close to that theme. Um, yeah. I love... Like when I when I watched The Incredibles as a kid, I didn't take to hit it as much as you might expect me to, being a massive fan of Bond and a massive fan of superheroes. And yeah. I think it's because the opening sequence is very mature for a kid's film. Like I didn't know what suing yes. somebody was.
2: No, it absolutely, it absolutely is. And that's what I meant when I said it's a cartoon that's got it's, that's going off into Bergman-esque territory. Right, right. It, so- it is, and that's absolutely what I meant. I mean, I had visions of people going, what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so what? so I, I love that it's like domestic it's, ennui Yeah, like but, you but you as mean, a, as an
1: adult now I watch it and it's like a sure. superhero is getting sued. It was it feels like it's ahead of its time in terms of the way that superhero movies are made now like in, even within the Marvel universe about how um, in Civil War and stuff where the superheroes were um, sort of rallied against um, mm-hmm. and I think that The Incredibles was kind of ahead of its time and I love how much it's playing with the ideas of superhero powers reflecting the personalities of the characters. It's, a, it's a, an idea that's been done over and over, uh, but I think it works super well. I think all the dynamic is really like exciting and funny and it, all the stories tie up so beautifully. It's, um, it's even things like, again, like the maturity of it, like having somebody who's trying to commit suicide at the beginning. There's even a storyline where uh, Mrs. Incredible believes that her husband is cheating on her for a bit like there's very mature ways of yeah. telling a story but it just happens yeah. to be animated and i've just yeah. i think i found the first one a lot meatier um than the second one and a lot more honest and like like, like a story they wanted to tell and incredibles 2 felt like oh, we should just do a sequel now it's been long enough um yeah and i, I like the twist as well i didn't i i still really like that that to me feels like the ultimate Pixar twist, the one that they've been trying to recreate over and over again with like <laughs> um, somebody that you liked at the start, turns out to be the villain at the end. Um, yeah, I, I think it's brilliant. And I, I think it's it, it's visually as well, like the way, it, way Brad Bird moves the camera, you know, the camera quote unquote, is really creative. He's clearly got a, an eye for visuals that, in my opinion, doesn't come across in his live action stuff as much as his animation. Okay. Um, and nor nor does his storytelling in general i think he does better when he's able to play around and you know pixar make the movie over and over again until it's right um yeah i i think i think it's great i think it's almost perfect i think it's like okay. everybody at the top of their game
2: i mean i agree here's the thing i agree with all the things that you just said about it I, I, the, the difference was that i found those things off-putting i did find the i i found that that uh, that early movement with all those things you know with the domesticity thing i I just thought, how is this going to play to kids now, that said, I've subsequently seen um, loads of kids watch Incredibles and actually get loads and loads out of it. interestingly enough, many of them on third, fourth fifth viewing, because I still think that on the first time on the first viewing, there is a pacing issue, but um you know obviously we now live in a world in which everything is consumed, and of course when 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 you watch Incredibles. On the DVD, the Jack Jack Attack short is just like unbelievably great. Yeah, it is. And actually, for me, I, w- I was going, yeah, well, that's what I want. And when I was reviewing, you know, Incredibles two, I said that's what you get with Incredibles two, because I, you know, you watch the Jack Jack Attack short and you just go, okay, that's just genius. That is absolute, you know, bang on genius. And that's what I thought I was getting from Incredibles two. But I think, I think you should watch Incredibles two again. And I think I should probably watch Incredibles again because I, you know, I think that we're agreed on what the qualities are. The question is just how we reacted to those particular. Yeah,
1: I I think actually what I was going into the Incredibles 2 with was that I've grown to enjoy the maturity of the first one that I didn't connect with as much as a kid that I grew to like as an adult. And actually what you wanted from the first one was the sillier stuff and you got that in the second one. So I think actually that's kind of what's happened is we've both again brought our expectations to something yes. and that's defined it.
0: This is a horrible suit, darling. Oh, you can't be seen in this. I won't allow it. Fifteen years ago, maybe, but now? Oh, what do you mean? You designed it. I never look back, darling. It distracts from the now. You need a new suit. That much is certain. A new suit? Oh, Where the heck am I going to get a new you suit? You can't! It's impossible! I'm far too busy, so ask me now before I again become sane. Wait. You want to make me a suit? No, you push too hard, darling. But I accept. It will be bold. Dramatic. Yeah. Heroic. Yeah, something classic. Like, uh, Dyna Guy. Oh, he had a great look. A oh, cape and the boots. No capes. How would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study?
1: In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a
0: professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today.
2: So, um, did I ask you your number three already? Yeah, that was The Incredibles. The Incredibles. So what's, so what's your number three? So, so sorry. So my number three, and here we, we're going to join, is Monsters, Inc. Right, great. So I've I i I've, I've used that as my number four, so let's talk yeah. about it. Okay, so uh, you want to go first on me? Because I went first on Incredibles. You go first on Monsters, Inc. Monsters,
1: Inc. Uh, is a film that I remember very clearly seeing in the cinema and being wowed by it. It's like yeah. that, and actually, weirdly, Prisoner of Azkaban are two of the films I remember walking out of as a kid and being like, wow. like Like, Not even understanding what cinema had just done, but I'd just been told a story and how emotional it was. And it's the first time I remember, like, wanting to know what the character's real name was, like that hidden secret and the 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 way that it's just I'm skipping right to the end, but like building the door again, all of that stuff. I think it's like it's. I mean, this is what the list is all about, but it's up there with Pixar's like perfect films. Like, there's nothing wrong with it, and it's got this weird mix of being funny, but also being scary and sad. I think that Sully and Mike are incredible, and it really bothers me. <laughs> like, Monsters University really Oh, I hate massively. Monsters University. I hate, I hate it I so just, much.
2: Yeah, I you know really why really as well? It's, really
1: it. it's one line in Monsters University that ruins... Sorry, it's one line from Monsters Inc that I think they completely ruin the whole world building within Monsters University, is that in Monsters Inc, Sully and Mike are talking to each other and he says, you've been jealous of my good luck since the fourth grade, pal. And then we find out that they met in university. That to me just bothers me. It just bothers me so much. It's like, it feels like you're just ignoring your own, that like you've established <laughs> what they were. And you, I got it all in that one moment. Um, yeah, the voice acting's tip top. It's, the music's legendary. The opening sequence just gets you in the mood for it. It's, it's incredible. It's so emotional and it's so funny. And Randall is genuinely creepy. It's brilliant. It's just great, and the creative, the creativeness of the, uh, the, the sort of the last final sequence when they're going in between all the different doors and stuff. Like that. It's just, it's yeah. perfect. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it.
2: So, just to pick up on something you said about, you know, um, one line from the from the from from uh, Monsters is spoiled by Monsters University. I'm, I understand exactly what you mean about that sort of thing. This is a, a sidetrack, but I remember interviewing Bill Blatty about Legion, and I said, which is the sequel to The Exorcist, that he wrote. Um, the film uh, version, which got sort of messed around. And I said, you know, there's one thing that really bothers me about that. He says, Kinderman says, I love, uh, Father Karras was my best friend, I, I loved him. And I said, no, he didn't. They only met once. And I said, and there's a photograph that you've got w- in which it's a photograph of Karras and Kinderman, which is signed by Karras, which says, keep checking those Dominicans, Kinderman, uh, Karras, right? And I went, how is that possible? How is that possible, right? I read the book in which they meet and he dies. And at no point do they hang out together. It it doesn't happen. And Bill Blatty said, yeah, I know. But I said, I had to build up the friendship. And he said, and who would notice? And I went, me. And he went, yeah, other than you. But that's the thing is that I've never spoken to anybody else about that monster zinc <laughs> bit, and and they've all just
1: like and no one's ever been like oh yeah you're right they've been like eh who cares and I'm like yeah but <laughs> no, it matters it's, it's, it, it matters like that's why they wrote it in the first place <laughs> I know
2: it's just and I, I, you know every time I watch that version of with that photograph in it I just it makes me want to tear my hair when did that, when was that photograph taken it's not possible right it there was never a point that that photograph was possible, um. The the shorthand version of why I love Monsters Inc. is put that thing back where it came from. Is the best stage musical I never (laughs) saw, and I could honestly, it's like I know it's you know end credits and everything, but I, I could just watch that on a loop forever. That musical is such genius. It's absolutely right. And the reason it works is because, firstly, every single part of that musical refers correctly to the to the story that we've just seen before. They wouldn't yeah. mess up the Monsters university line. I love the, <laughs> you know, we scare because we care thing. But what i love most about it is it it, it is the perfect combination and again we come back to silent cinema here it's the perfect combination of sidekick characters of characters who when you put them together they're funny because one of them's that and one of them's that yeah. you know and and the genius of you know when he gets shown the magazine when he said it's got the stamp i'm on the cover, like, of cover
1: of a magazine <laughs>
2: and it's just that absolute the 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 joy of that the delight of it the the the, the wittiness of the voices for a start i mean i love you, i
1: mean i'm sure you know this that billy crystal was offered woody and turned it down i didn't know this, that no he, yeah didn't. he was offered woody turned it down and said it's the single biggest regret of his career and so really. when they when they offered him a role in this he jumps at the opportunity to do it um, it's y- just it's I, lo- just, I love as well that it's again it's picks on dealing with mature themes it's it's <laughs> got it's got a thing about this is the way we've always done it so we're going to do it this way it's about corruption it's got all sorts of big um, themes going on in it in, t- in terms of like this is like i say this is the way we've always done it so we're not going to change when even when they know that not scaring children but making them happy and making them <laughs> laugh is better for them. Yes. They don't want to change. Like no. they, they're set in their ways.
2: But also, I you know, I I like the idea that children kind of like to be scared. I I love all the stuff. But kitty kitty, I love the thing. I love the end. I love boo. Mm-hmm. Everything about it. It's just like somebody went. Yeah, that now that that that's it. Don't now go and make Monsters University. Yeah, and even like, even just you talking about that ending where he
1: just very gently opens that door and you just hear her voice one more time. And then it fades to black. Just makes the hairs on my the back of my it's, neck stand up. It's just,
2: but do you hear her voice? Doesn't he open the door yeah, and he goes,
1: he, boo? And she goes, kitty. And then it fades to black. Oh, you know, you're, yes. Anyway, it's just, it's just genius. And then it's also just... we haven't even mentioned this as well. The outtakes at the end of Pixel Oh the, yes. kind of stop doing now. But like <laughs> the bits where like they're falling over during the slow motion walk yeah. and things like that. that it's What's, just incredible.
2: What's the name of the character who kind of looks like a great big triangle with the glasses? The one in, the one in charge. Oh, you know, Hamad. Um, uh, uh, Fine. Yeah. So, so many people have sent photographs of me and Brilliant. that character. And Brilliant. Said, that's what I look like. And and uh, and believe me. Wazowski,
1: you Waz- didn't do your paperwork last night.
2: Exactly. So apparently that's me, that character, and the grandfather in up. <laughs> that, 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 that apparently is me i spent my whole life wanting to be james dean i turn out to be the grandfather in up or moss <laughs> so thanks very much it's you know but i still i still love the film
1: Chalubi, baby. good morning roz my succulent little garden snail and who would we be scaring today
0: Wasowski, you didn't file your paperwork last night
1: oh that darn paperwork Wouldn't it be easier if it all just blew away?
0: Don't let it happen again. Yes, well, uh, I'll try to be less careless. I'm watching you, Wazowski. Always watching. Whew, she's nuts.
2: Moving on to number two. What's your number two choice? Finding Nemo. Ooh. So I don't have Finding Nemo, so go
1: ahead. Okay, I think Finding Nemo... Is so actually just to put it into context for how I feel about it recently is that um, there's another podcast. I'm sorry to do promotion for another podcast on this podcast, but I think I've spoken about it before. There's a podcast called Script Notes, which is, as they describe it, it's a podcast for screenwriters and people who yeah. are interested in screenwriting. Yeah. Um. And they there's an episode where, um. Craig Mazin, who um, wrote Chernobyl and the yeah. Hangover sequels, but I don't think he likes that being mentioned. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Craig Mazin just does, does a solo episode called "How to Write a Movie," and he uses Finding Nemo as like a perfect example of story structure and character arc and things like that. And and not only just like this is how it works, but also why do we care about this? And yeah. talking about how the writers are basically God. Putting the protagonist through a series of tests so that he will learn something, and how he's the perfect protagonist for this particular story. Like Hamarlin is the perfect protagonist for Finding Nemo. And the and the example he gives is you know just the beginning of okay how do you you've got an overprotective parent? How do you make us care about his journey? Well, okay, so his not only does his wife and all of his children get killed, but also his last remaining child is disabled. And that, of course he's scared of the ocean. It's, no, it's, not, just a, it's not just saying, oh, you're a parent, you care about your kids. Of course, if the kid's gone missing, you're going to go find it. They make him so afraid of of the wider ocean. And then I think that a lot of the imagery and a lot of the stuff that goes on in it, again, is, is the stuff I'm kind of obsessed with right now, that it's all an internal thing for, for Marlin. So, for example, when the fish tell him to go through the, uh, the cavern or, or whatever it is, the dark cave, instead of mm-hmm. going over it, he ignores that because he goes, "Oh, it's so much brighter and so much easier up here." And then, obviously, all those jellyfish descend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, which is, is actually really scary. It's incredibly scary, and and that moment there for me is like you need to go through the darkness and come out the other side. Otherwise, if you're going to keep avoiding it, stuff is going to keep. You're never going to get over your problems. And I yeah. and if you rewatch Finding Nemo, every single scene there is a problem that needs to be solved constantly, and there is always something that's challenging Marlin. Um, and the same as well with the side story with Nemo and all the fish tank stuff, which also is incredibly funny. Um, I love all that sort of shock tank. Hoo-ha-ha. Like I love all that <laughs> stuff and the bubbles and uh, this is my sister Flo. Like it's, it feels like everybody's just so rich. Um, yeah, I think it's incredible. And that's not even mentioning as well how funny Dory and, and Marlin are as, as two characters. Again, it's that, that classic duo of the funny and the straight man type uh, combination. And where did you stand on the sequel? I thought it was fine. I thought it was okay. Again, it, like it, it feels like they're shoehorning it in. I, I, you know, it's, There's one line in Finding Nemo when she goes like, something about her family, and she says, where are they? Can I help you? And she just goes back and yeah. she just forgets, obviously. Um, and I think that um building on a brand rather than actually having a really meaningful story to tell uh, and, and, then, and it also has, the Finding Dory has like my least favorite thing that Pixar have come to do since Toy Story did it, which is, you know, people that shouldn't be driving vehicles end up driving vehicles. So instead of toys driving vehicles, this time you've got fish driving vehicles and an octopus. And it, just, it's, it all just gets a bit too absurd, um, even though it's a cartoon and all the rest of it. I know I'm a bit of a killjoy, but... I just find no, it a bit too... I love the fact
2: that that's, your pet hate is things that shouldn't be driving vehicles driving Wait, vehicles. Pixar just
1: do it all the time. It just feels like a thing they lean on. Like it just, it's just like, let's just have some
2: do, characters do, do, drive do, cars. Do, do you know the one movie in which they don't do that? Cars. <laughs> I was wondering yeah, in cars why it is that a car doesn't get into a car and drive it <laughs> <laughs> There's always, I, I think my, I don't know who said this joke, but I, I remember hearing
1: it from my, my, my friend Kyan said that John Lasseter just goes around the Pixar like studio, just putting googly eyes on inanimate objects to seeing what the next thing is going to be.
0: <laughs> Excuse me. Woo. Little fella.
2: Hey, hello.
0: Don't be rude. Say hi. <laughs> Hello! His son, Bingo, Nemo, Nemo, was taken to, uh... Sydney. Sydney, yes. And it's really, really important that we get there as fast as we can. So can you help us out? Come on, little fella. Come on. Dory, I'm a little fella. I don't think that's a little fella. Oh, 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 big fella. Big fella whale. Okay. Maybe he only speaks whale. We uh, Dory. What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you sure you speak well? Can you
2: Okay, well look, I'm actually not going to disagree with any of that. It wasn't in my top five because it is it isn't something that the that, that, that struggle, but but I think I think, you know, I don't disagree with anything you've said. Um I think it is really good. I haven't watched it very much. I've seen it, I think, twice, maybe, tops. And it, you know, I think it's I, I think you're making a very coherent argument for it. My number two is Toy Story 3. I think that's a good choice. So I now I'm assuming that Toy Story 3 isn't in your top 5. Well, I'm going to ruin something now. No because you're going to talk about what your number one is. I am, yeah. So don't. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, because you know, I think I think we'll 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 both we'll, we'll both spoil the surprise at the same time, okay? <laughs> so um I the reason that I've got Toy Story 3 in there is and i I was intre- it was interested that I've got two sequels in my list. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I love Toy Story and I know that we're going to talk about Toy Story in a in a moment because of what you just said. Or uh, are we'll we? Talk about, yeah, or are we, exactly. Yeah. Um the the genius of Toy Story 3 is for me, Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 are the perfect trilogy. And that's mm-hmm. why Toy Story 4 was always a problem. I don't think Toy Story 4 is a bad film. I think it gets away with it. But I think it's unnecessary. And I, in an ideal world, it wouldn't exist. Um, I think that Toy Story 1 is great. Toy Story 2, I think, is arguably better um, although it started out as a straight-to-video production and it was like halfway through doing their stuff and somebody said, you know, this is a theatrical release. This I think
1: is it was like- partly as well down to Tom Hanks. Like, yeah, it was. You know, it was champion, with Tom yeah. Hanks
2: saying, you know, this is a much better film than you think it is. And, and they, I think they lost
1: a load of animation as well and, like... And I had to redo a lot of stuff. Like it was, it was a, it was a pain in the ass that film. Yeah,
2: yeah, but it's, and yet it's so great. I mean, yeah. uh, the the tour guide Barbie going around the shelves is just, you know. And can I stop smiling now? All that stuff is yeah. just
1: the references to Jurassic genius. Park as well, like dinosaur yeah.
2: overboard. <laughs> but Toy Story three was like okay, there. This you know we know Godfather one great, Godfather two greater, Godfather three oh dear. Toy Story 1 great Toy Story 2 greater arguably but I you know I'm, I I think it's it doesn't matter either way but Toy Story 3 is the thing that brings the, the the trilogy to a close and it does it in a way that is as perfect as the end of Winnie the Pooh and I uh, I've discussed this on air with Simon Mayo and we are you know we are both grown men who have ended up crying like genuinely in tears on air because the thing about Toy Story 3 is it captures that thing about letting go of, and by that point it's to do with letting go of your own children. Um, And I just think it's so brilliant the way it does that. And also the way that it has that sense of the baton being passed on to the next generation and the way in which it takes all the strands of the previous films. And it doesn't, there's not a single, mistake in the way in which it deals with all of those things it's funny and it's exciting and it's connecting it's got loads of gags and you know everything about it is it's just waiting for there to be a fall and then it isn't and then it gets to that ending and i'm in pieces and i saw it in 3d and i was really glad because I was crying so much that I was really glad that I was wearing stupid glasses so that nobody could see because <laughs> I was just in pieces at the end of that film.
1: Yeah, I, I was the perfect age in terms of... I was a kid when Toy Story came out and then I was a, you know, almost an adult when Toy Story 3 came out. Um, and to me, how it felt watching Toy Story 3 was like saying goodbye yeah, I you know like it's you know we're all Andy like it's, it's 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 like passing it on to somebody else now and this isn't for us anymore and letting go of childhood as well is how it felt to me, um, yeah. letting yourself move on, and I think I'll just transition into my number one and say that my number one, and I'm cheating, because otherwise this list would have been boring. My number one is Toy Story as a franchise.
2: Oh, you see. Okay, fine. That's because okay. I'll, 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 okay, I'll buy it. otherwise
1: my top five would have been Toy Story 1 to 4 okay. and then Finding Nemo. Okay. Because okay. that franchise, that whole story, I think... So I, I don't agree that Toy Story 4 is unnecessary. And I think it's also because of the personal connections I have with it. My mom adores to- the Toy Story films. Okay. And there's not many films that my mom will sit and watch. Like She's, she's a, quite a difficult cinema partner. <laughs> and, and I've had them um, my entire life. And we saw, we saw Toy Story 2 in 1999 in Florida on my first trip out to America. And it was like months and months before it came out in the UK. And then we went to go see it again when it actually came out in uh, February of 2000. I saw it in 1999 and I was like, I must be one of the only kids to see seen Toy Story 2 in the UK. Like I was <laughs> so like chuffed with myself. Um, yeah. And then getting to Toy Story 4, my I think that film specifically in terms of it
2: being Woody's movie is Woody as the parent letting go of children. Yeah, the, the thing with Toy Story 4 is Toy Story, Toy Story 4 is the first of the Toy Story films that's actually about the toys. The first three aren't about the toys. Yeah. They're about us. Toy Story Four is about them. And and that's and that is exactly it, that Woody then becomes the, you know, the, the parental figure. And I think there are great things in Toy Story. I think it's slightly slow off the mark, but then I think once it gets going, it's great. And I don't I also
1: think some of the editing in Toy Story Four is a bit off. Like it's the only time I've really ever noticed like odd okay. editing. It's like it's like there's there's moments That I can tell they've gone, oh, that doesn't quite work. So I guess we'll we'll have Tim Allen record one more line here when he goes, how do we get that key? And it then cuts to something else. And I'm like, that wasn't supposed to go like that. I can Uh, tell. Um, So it's things like that that I find slightly odd. But I think in terms of a story, and it's also amazing to see that Toy Story 1 is, what if your toys were alive when you left the room? And then Toy Story 4 is like, they're sentient and they have feelings of like, grief and letting go and they're basically yeah. human beings
2: now uh, but also toy, so toy, story, toy story 4 has the thing about the creation of you know Spoony or forky Forky, forky isn't it? yeah um when there is a thing about what you know why i don't know you yeah. know it's like well, how how yeah. is it yeah but forky and the and the principle is that you know, in the previous movies, the the life is engendered by our imagination. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, your toys are alive in your imagination, and Forky is the first character to go. Why am I alive? Yeah, it's <laughs> that, so interesting. Just, it's so existential. It's so, it, I know, I know, and it's really funny. I I, I still I think it's not perfect. But I also I and, and up- that as well. We it's are. so
1: interesting as well. Like if you're going to think deeply about it, like Forky. Is a, is alive and is he called Forky or Sporky? Because he's a spork. He's a, he's a spork, but he's called Forky. He's forky right, for um, but yeah, he's alive. And then the f- his first instinct is to self-destruct. His first instinct is to <laughs> throw himself away.
2: And it's so interesting. That's right. Yeah. He keeps jumping in the bin. Like, yeah. yeah.
1: Like, it's so interesting that that's like when you're, when you're conscious, that's like inherently what you're bound to try and do is self-destruct in some way. And I think that as well, like, you know, I don't know if they thought, I'm sure they did have conversations about stuff like that. But I think that in itself is like also very interesting to have in a,
2: in a kid's movie like that. Um, I, mean, I, I, I remember to uh, interview, I think I think I interviewed Tom Hanks for it and just saying, I'm just so relieved. I'm just so relieved because I was terrified that they, when I heard they were making it, I was so scared that they were going to mess it up because it's like, please please don't mess this up. Please yep. don't you know, don't phantom menace it. Don't, you know, Mm. just don't. All right.
1: I I was so scared. I was so scared sitting down in that cinema and being like, right. Okay. You've got, you've got the perfect trilogy that everybody agrees is maybe one of the only perfect trilogies. And then, you're gonna do a fourth, that like just to sort of add it on the. You, that's what you're gonna do, is it? You're gonna take that risk, and I thought it was just incredible. And some of the funniest gags as well, like Keanu Reeves in it is so funny. Yeah, he's great. The uh, the GI Joe that keeps asking for a high five.
2: <laughs> that just makes me laugh every time. But also, the, if I were the, to the horrible ventriloquist doll, who oh is my, really... so scary. Yeah, See, so I've got to think about ventriloquist dolls yeah. anyway. But I mean, it's such a yeah, and really... the score is is scary as well. Um, or
1: you know, it's got. One of uh, Randy Newman's worst songs in it, which is the uh, "I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away," which is him just singing that over and over again. And like, I know, he's got he's got simple songs, but "You've Got a Friend in Me" is a banger, and "I Won't Let You Throw Yourself Away," which I think was Oscar nominated. It's just because they're like, oh, have we got any other songs? I guess we'll have to nominate that one. Um, but if if I were to pick, if I had to pick out of the four, if that was if that was the situation I was in, I would pick the first one just because it feels like it started it all. Yeah. I think that the 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 clash between Woody and Buzz is just a classic. And actually, if I was going to have a criticism of number four, it feels like they simplified Buzz a bit too much. Like he just becomes an idiot again in number four. Which yeah. I, think he, I didn't, I didn't ever felt like that about Buzz
2: since the first one. Um, you know, one of the yeah. weird one of the weird things about the first uh, Toy Story is I saw a bit of it, an unfinished bit of it that they were showing. Oh, wow. as a kind of No, it's just they were doing a sort of pr- a promotional thing. I mean, obviously, there was a load of people saw it, in which they were showing us how digital animation, three D digital animation, you know, two D but 3, you know, what they call three D digital animation worked. And I remember looking at it and just thinking, this is the trippiest thing I've ever seen. Mm. I can't. It's it's really physical, and I but it's not. It's animation. I'm really oh, I can't quite get my head around this. And I remember the first time I watched the, the whole the film, the first five minutes, I know this is, it sounds absurd now because now we're all so used to it, but the first five minutes just going, I can't, what is it? It's not, It's it looks real. It looks tangibly physical, but it isn't. And I, we've, we're now all so used to it. We're so used to the idea that animation can do that. But when it first happened, it was really bizarre. It's also very interesting that they...
1: It's, it's what we were talking about actually with Nolan when he made a following that he used his limitations as a positive thing and go, okay, what can I achieve? And that's exactly what Pixar did as well. They were they were like, okay, we can't make human beings look real yet. Well,
2: we can do shiny surfaces. We can do
1: shiny surfaces, yeah. so let's do toys. Yeah, exactly. um, And actually, if you rewatch the first Toy Story especially, the humans Look a bit weird. They're yeah, a bit scary yeah. looking, like their yeah. eyes and all the rest of it doesn't quite work. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the toys but, are great. The, toys are, the toys are incredible. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, I just think it's perfect from end to end. Uh, I, I, I'm I one of the people that criticised Toy Story 3 for repeating a bit of the plot of Toy Story 2, which is good guy, turns out to be bad guy, but okay. such a minor criticism. But overall, I think I think they're just yeah. absolutely wonderful. Oh,
0: all right. Here we go. There should be a little hole uh, under the switch. Little hole. Got it. So reset your buzz light gear. Insert paper clip. Rex,
1: use your finger.
0: <laughs> okay, now what? Uh, Alright, let's see. Caution. Do not hold button for more than five seconds. <laughs> It's not my fault.
1: <risa> Pitácora espacial. Me he despertado del hipersueño en un planeta extraño.
0: Now, what did you do? I just did what you told me.
2: Estoy rodeado por criaturas extrañas y desconozco sus intenciones. ¿Quién anda ahí? ¿Amigo o enemigo?
0: Ah, uh, amigos. we're all amigos.
2: Me debo de haber estrellado y se me ha borrado la memoria. Visto mi nave espacial.
0: We got to switch him back.
2: So my number one, as you correctly predicted, was Inside Out, and I'll just—I'll yep. I mean, do this sort of fairly briefly because it's—it's it's an uncontroversial opinion. I just remember watching Inside Out and thinking, okay, it's the numbskulls. I know that, but it's just the most brilliant analysis of, um, you know, of the internal struggles that somebody is going through and uh and and told in told in a way that's completely understand i kind of you know I part of me sort of thought i just love this i think it's great and i i'm really in- i'm really enjoying the, the, the cinema part of me thought this is like psychologists could sit for years writing books attempting to explain what this film just explained in less than two hours or however long it is and i also the the genius of a film that understands the nature of sadness and 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 uh and why sadness is important. Especially in a why, kid's film. Yeah. And, and, and actually talks about it, actually talks about it. And, you, you know, I know this sounds like a really stupid thing to say, but if you have any interest in religion, um, one of the things that, you know, it's like, what, why, why evil, right? Why evil? Well, that's on a par with why sad, you know? And it's like the argument about, you know, nature wasps what are wasps for well you know wasps are actually necessary because there's a whole bunch of things that wasps do that you don't it's not just that they chase you down the street and sting you there's a whole thing that they're doing that you don't know about and i think that that um that in the way that inside out deals with a character going through a sort of rite of passage and all the warring emotions that are involved in that is just absolute genius and Mm i i love that film i just you know on every single level i thought that was the best film that year i thought i
1: I I think that um overall the film is about it's sad to be okay it's okay to be sad sad, uh sad to be okay (laughs) it's (laughs) it's okay to be sad um and i think that's an amazing thing to have in a kid's film and i also like very very much the um how drastic it feels and how dramatic it feels when those islands that create her personality end up falling and, and how at a loss that feels but also that it's okay that's the part of it's a part of not only growing up but it's a part of moving forward in your life constantly that things will shift and change and that's okay and there is a small death that happens every time that we go through something like when we learn something new or we evolve yeah, yeah. or something changes You are those those things are going to fall away and new things will spring up in their place but there is a, there is a sadness that needs to happen first you need to go down to those dark depths in order to come out of it again, and again, just to repeat, I think it's amazing to have that in a kid's film as your story, as your lesson, as your theme. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's, I think it's great, and um, one of their best. And I almost, I, I, I moved it around quite a lot in my list. It was originally at number four, um, but it's because it's, it's not one of the ones that came out when I was a kid, so it feels like it yeah, hasn't got as much of an attachment to me. But I do think it's fantastic from end to end.
2: Yeah, I mean I, I you know obviously I was an old fart when I saw it but it just it just it just worked for me and I think Well you were an it. old fart when Toy Story came out. So I yeah, I, was, no, I was barely conscious. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I I am 58 times as old as you but I'm um, you know I mean I'm Check. I'm nearly 60. I'm you know that's that that and and I and I think actually it speaks very highly of Inside Out that for an old fart like me I just kind of felt like okay. Well then, there just, must have been part of you
1: as well that resonated entirely with the with the uh with the parent's view of like wanting your kids
2: to be okay of course yeah yeah there's a very there's a famous saying which is that you know when you're a parent you're only as happy as your unhappiest child and inside out is kind of about that you know it's about people have to go through things people you know this is how it works this is this is how it works it's a you were saying before about finding nemo you know the thing about going through the cave and there's you know Going on a bear hunt, you know, you can't go over it, you can't yep. go around it, you've got to go through it, which has actually, funnily enough, become kind of a mantra. Um, with everything that's going on, and uh, I'll just bring this to a to an end because I realise we've gone over the hour mark. But I'll just bring this to an end by saying, isn't it interesting that in our just discussion of you know, this, all this are essentially silly, but in our discussion of a series of animated films, we, what we've really been talking about is, you know. Life, the universe, and everything, and growing up, and saying goodbye to things, and uh, you know, I, I said it before. I'll say it again. It's the fact that an animated feature has never won the Oscar for Best Picture yep. tells you everything you need to know about the Oscars. Yeah, and and, because, and and there's a reason why we've been talking about that sort of stuff,
1: and there's a reason why all these stories resonate. It doesn't matter that they're drawings on a screen. We connect with them because we know that they're going through something that we all we all go through, and the best ones connect. Completely in that way, regardless of what the what you know, whether or not it's toys or the inside of someone's mind or if they're superheroes or whatever, as long as it's connecting with us on a human level, you know, it's going to take every it's every single story goes back to the the bears like got to go through it thing. Like every yeah. single story is about someone getting over some form of trauma. Yeah. Um Yeah. yeah. Here we go. All right, open.
0: Hmm, this looks new. Think it's safe? What is it? Uh... Okay, caution. There is a dangerous smell, people. Hold on, what is that? This is disgust. She basically keeps Riley from being poisoned, physically and socially. That is not brightly colored or shaped like a dinosaur. Hold on, guys. It's broccoli! (laughs) (laughs) Yucky. I just saved our lives, yeah, Yeah, you're welcome. Riley, if you don't eat your dinner, you're not gonna get any dessert. Wait, did he just say we couldn't have dessert? That's anger. He cares very deeply about things being fair. So
2: that's how you wanna play it, old man? No dessert? Oh, sure, we'll eat our dinner right after you eat this! (laughs) Riley,
0: here comes an airplane. Uh Oh,
2: Oh. airplane. We got an airplane, everybody. (gasps) Well, Jack, that's been great fun. Thanks ever so much. Um, Thank you. If you want to watch a video of this, you can go to the uh, Kermit on Film Patreon page and uh, we'll be back in the very near... We must at some point in the future do top five Pixar shorts. Okay. Because... Because the Pixar shorts are fabulous. Anyway, listen, Jack, that's been uh, really terrific. Thanks ever so much. And I'll see you at the next one, uh, you know, when everything's back to normal, as, of course, it's all going to be really soon. Yep, definitely. <laughs> Funny joke to end it on.